Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. I'm Ben Ellis, Cage Warriors Featherweight. Check out and subscribe to Ace Podcast Nation on YouTube for one of the best fight, fight podcasts around and the Danny Batten Fight Show every Wednesday for all MMA news. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 64. Tonight we're going to be talking to our special guest. Plus we'll have a look at the latest news and rumours from the fight world. And of course, breaking down last night's incredible UFC Fight Night card. And lastly, we'll finish off with some predictions of next week's fights. But uh, the show is, ever, ever, as ever, available in video format, youtube.com com slash ace podcast nation click the bell subscribe to get all the good shows we do shows on all sorts of subjects from mma and boxing to uh, football mental health in sport and loads of others from serial killers true crime and others but of course you could also get the audio versions at the usual podcast platforms if you just search ace podcast nation you'll find over 380 shows of all different subjects, some top names, expert analysts, and more. Links to which are all in the description below. But uh, joining me, as ever, the co-host with the most, 
former Cage Warriors champion, UK <laughs> MMA legend. It is Mr. Danny Footlong Button. <laughs> Matt, I'm liking that title. I'm liking that title. That's a you, that, that can stick. <laughs> That's a one-off. Yeah, yeah, I'm good, sir. But Modestas, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's great to have you back on, as always. We, I mean, we see a lot of each other anyway. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great to always uh, thank, see you thank on. Thank you so much, obviously, you guys, again, for having me on and everything. As always, it's lovely chatting to you both. Indeed, we're going to have a good chat, mate. We've got lots to talk about. We haven't uh, haven't spoken to you for, uh, for a while. But, uh, yeah, Danny, Danny stole my thunder a little bit there. But we are delighted to welcome back our special guest for this week, none other than UFC light heavyweight. It is Modestus, the Baltic Gladiator, Bukowskis. Welcome back, my friend. Yes, See mate. That, thank you. That is how you pronounce your fighters' names, okay, mate? <laughs> you, did, you did pretty dang good. I'll Solid. stick to keeping ni- nicknames. <laughs> that's, it, that's it, mate. Very easier. That's it. Keep it to the nickname, you know, Big Mo. Yeah. Well, I'm foot long. I, I don't mind. <laughs> Big Mo foot long, bloody hell, just all coming around, isn't it? Yeah, what's going on? What is going on at BST? I tell you. <laughs> so you've got a lot of talent there's... at this gym, that's for sure. There is, that's it, there is that. That's it. A little bit of talent there. Very friendly guys. <laughs> but um, look, Modestus. I'm not going to beat around the bush, mate. I want to ask you some difficult questions. I'm going to put you under pressure, put you <laughs> on the spot. But um, obviously, since we last spoke, you um, you fought Jimmy Crute. Yep. Um, even before the fight, we said, myself and Danny said, it's a very, very uh, tricky opponent, Jimmy Crute. It was, uh, he's not, I think he's he was definitely a step up from anyone you had fought so far, particularly in the UFC. Um, and I, I was wondering, in hindsight, would do you think you would have taken that Jimmy Crute fight maybe a couple of fights down the line? Uh, no. Uh, I think everything all happens for a reason. I think everything happens in its stride. And I think there's certain... You know, like they, they, they offer you like a really big fight, such as the one as Jimmy Crew. And, you know, I feel like you've got to have a belief in your skill set, belief in, belief in your fighting ability uh, to, to go out and perform. And the, the thing is, there's a massive opportunity to get right up into the rankings, get into the top 15 and really get into the top of the ranks in the UFC quite quickly. And like I said, I had, uh, I had no doubt in my mind that I had the skill set. And, and I still do. And I still think I do. It's just, you know... Uh, on the day, uh, he was just a better man. Uh, he had a much better game plan and strategy. And credit to him and his team for implementing it really well. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people, yeah, might have thought, oh, it's a bit crazy taking a fight like that and stuff like that. But uh, like I said, uh, if I if I thought genuinely that I couldn't beat him, I probably would have said, you know, okay, fine, I'll take another fight. Or, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe something a bit lower down. But I genuinely had the belief and I still like I said I still do that I can go and beat that guy um, but like I said that 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 fight would probably happen somewhere down the line now um, and yeah just in the fight um, his strategy and game plan was just better than mine and uh, credit to him for implementing it like I said I couldn't find my rhythm and, and, and time in the way I wanted to and because I'm notorious for being a bit of a slow starter uh, that's what inevitably caused my downfall uh, in that fight. But everything we'd been working on worked great. I mean, I stopped the takedown. 
uh, the, which, you know, w he even said like that was his one of his best takedowns. You know, he gets everyone down with that particular timing and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so the things that we've been working on really aggressively work. But, you know, now, now it's, it's told me the things that I need to work on now uh to to help me to go and compete with the best and like compete with the top mm. contenders you need to have those lessons because had i you know had i had i'd won or whatever then i wouldn't have learned certain things that i needed to do to 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 really improve and like put my game into like the next level to really go and compete with those top level guys so i'm actually very thankful that it happened because it it highlighted the areas that i need to work on highlighted the holes and uh, my team and, and, and everyone with me, you know, including Danny and my dad and, 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 and everyone, at, you know, everyone that I trained with, now we're working collectively together to, to, to bring out the best of me and uh, to improve skill set areas that I need to, like I say, to compete at the highest level. So I'm very thankful that this fight actually happened because it taught me a hell of a lot. Yeah, like for me, like before the fight, I thought it was going to be a tough fight for you, but I did feel I thought you would win. Um, and I still, like I, like you said, I still believe that if you did that fight a hundred times, you would win a good portion of those, probably more than 50%, I would say. Jimmy Crew is a top fighter, but um, I, on you hit the nail on the head in what you said, like on the day, uh, not only was his game plan good, but he implemented it very, very well. And I'm sure, like both of you guys will know, like sometimes you can have a game plan, and you're unable to implement it as a fighter because because of the other fighter, or it just things don't go your way. But like for him, everything that they planned and everything which they had want put in place to stop you, kind of just clicked into place nicely. And yeah, it was it's just I've watched the fight a couple of times. It's it's interesting to watch. Um, was it hard to pick yourself up mentally after it? I think initially, yeah. Um... You know, when you have so much belief in yourself, you you know you're doing all the visualization, you're you're, you're doing so many things, you're you're training, you're just focusing, you're doing all of that, and then to not have the outcome that you sort of wanted and what you were sort of expecting in your mind, uh, obviously it, it was, uh, and especially when, do you know what? If I would have got my ass whooped for three rounds and he was just that much of a better fighter, I would have put my hands up and said, you know what, I would have took the fight actually, I would have took that loss easier because it's like, okay, I've just got a hell of a lot to work on. I'm going to go to the gym and, ju and, and just get straight on it. But when it's a fight that you truly feel that you could win and then it, it, you know, it doesn't go the other way or you don't perform or you don't perform to the best of your ability and you know you can do so much better, that's even more sort of painful for uh for a fighter when you know you've got more of a skill set and you you weren't able to show it on the night when you know you're much more capable but uh you know i think after a couple of weeks you know after i had my bit of grief and 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 stuff like that i just you know i picked up the pieces i had you know very close people to me like i say uh having danny there having my dad there uh, you know, all my other coaches and, and close people with me uh, to, to just, you know, continue motivating me and continue to tell me to keep pushing myself and just to keep trying to improve and telling me what areas I need to just sort of... When you've got a mindset of I want to improve, then the, the feeling of pain and grief and sadness goes away because all you're thinking about then you just put your sole concentration on, I just need to improve, I need to get in the gym, work on it. And then when you see yourself slowly picking things up, you know, picking up the pieces, building on those blocks, then you, you, you're back into it. So, yeah, I, it was sad at the beginning, but, uh, you know, shortly after I got into my training, I got into my groove, I'm like, do you know what? 
I'm ready to get back in, back, get back in there and get another fight. So let's just keep improving for now. Yeah, and I think, like you know, like I said before, many times, I'm not a fighter, I'm not a coach, or I'm nothing like that. And I think, I looking at it from the outside, it feels like, you know, it was disappointing. But you've kind of got to just look at it for what it is. Like Jimmy Crute, I was just looking now, is ranked twelfth, and like, I look at that division, and I feel like he could, he could progress like quite nicely up that division if he has the right fights he's a very very capable fighter um what did he say to you after the fight um do you know what he's uh he's a very nice fella uh both me and him we had a beer afterwards upstairs in like the you know like the lounge area by the pool and stuff like that and uh it's funny because he was explaining to me the things that you know inevitably gave me the understanding of what I actually need to do in my training camps. It's funny because, you, again, you, you wouldn't learn these things unless you had those losses and you had those experiences to highlight the areas that you need to concentrate more on. Uh, one of which was that, his, like I said, his game plan. I mean, he'd been watching my fights and he'd been seeing my tendencies. And it's funny because when you're a fighter, you don't, you don't necessarily, necessarily see your own tendencies or things that work for you in training or work for you in certain fights. You know, you, you do them consistently without even thinking about it. And he caught on to that. And then that's what caused my downfall. That was one of the things that I took mm. from the conversation with him was that he was always trying to slip one of my punches to connect his own punch. Or, you know, I'll do like a punch and then a kick with one side. And it was twice that actually he caught me with something off of a punch and a kick off the same side. Where usually it would work for me. In that fight, it didn't. So... It took me a while to sort of get my rhythm, but you know, uh, but you know, some of the good things I took from it. He said, you know, oh, your, your wrestling defense was really good because that was one of my best takedowns, and you know, he he just told me, you know, keep 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 your chin up, and uh, uh, he said, listen, you're you're going to be in a force in the division. You're just, uh, you know, they knew, like you know, they knew that um, no one else wanted to fight him. You know, everyone was was mm. afraid of fighting Jimmy Crute because he is such a uh, such a big talent, obviously, and you know he's created a wave when he came into the UFC. And uh, you know the fact that I took it, obviously, he showed me respect for that. So you know, like I said, we, we had a good conversation. Um, it highlighted areas that maybe I needed to work on more or do more of that he was doing in his camp that brought his victory onto me. So it was nice. Like, like I said, there were, there was no. It was a very sportsmanlike uh, attitude that 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 was uh, performed between me and him uh, before the fight, during and after. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, you know, like I say, we're both going to go our separate ways, but I'm pretty sure somewhere down the line we're going to meet again. Yeah, Danny, I was going to ask you, using your crystal ball, do you think we see Jimmy Kroop versus uh, Modestus Bukowskas again? Yeah, I do. And I told you why, because they're both so young in that division. They really are you know, at the right side of their, their youth to to still grow, perform and perfect their game. Um, yeah, I absolutely think that. I think the difference between them both in that performance was the fact that Kroot's been more settled on that world-class format. He's, he's had more experience there. So I think you can find your rhythm and find your, your distance in. Everything just settles quicker. And he was settled from the get-go, straight from the gate. And Modesto, you know, already admits that he's not always the quickest starter, although I think that's going to be come the case uh, with maturity and growth um yeah it, i don't know it's like 100 meters sometimes you know that sprint's lost out from the blocks 
and um, yeah, it just couldn't get settled. And eventually, you know, the strike started landing. Look, Crute to me, I know he's ranked number twelve, but I think his true ranking is in the top five. Mm. I, I don't think he's going to have any I, issues I agree, yeah. up until top five. And you know, with my perspective, me, me and Modesto don't always agree on everything, but we we have a really good friendship where we can sort of like sort those differences out and sort of like meet in the middle. But for me, I was always worried and, and dubious of him fighting someone like Crook because I ranked him higher than the ranking that he was at. I think he's ranked number 16 at the time. But I, I always saw him in the top 10 um, at, at the time when Modestas wanted to take that fight. But Modestas and young people like Modestas, they're like racehorses in their prime. The, the reason why they have a jockey is because they pull their chin down so they don't go at full stride and lose the race. They let them go free at the right time. So mm. as a coach, um, you know, and, and in um, conversations obviously with managers you know you try to hold them back and pick the right fights at the right time now the situation I think arose with Podesta's wanting to take the fight which is having belief in yourself which you absolutely should if you don't believe you can take on um, anyone in the UFC division you shouldn't be in the UFC yeah. but you know with that said I, I, I'm, I would say I'm a real common sensual type of coach and I look at my students as uh, as a not only as a friend, but as a as a product of growth and expansion. And to me, sometimes it has to be done in a steady way. But the situation we have with Modesto is he, he come under us, not under solely under us, because there's a lot of coaches involved in Modesto's improvement. Um, you know, as you know, his dad is his, his main coach and an absolutely incredible coach. You have to watch and experience what he does for Modesto to to believe in what I ever say when I advocate how incredible he is as a coach. But um. The situation we had was he come under us about two years ago. I think it was just a little over two years ago. And then he went on a massive winning spree. I think you had something like a seven win streak. Yeah, seven seven win streak. Yeah, which is incredible, especially at the level he was fighting. It was in Cage Warriors, which is a world-class event. People go from Cage Warriors to UFC and carry on performing wins. So, you know, and and he's fighting world-class wrestlers and winning, winning, winning. And just like I say, just like a racehorse, when they begin to get going, they feel invincible and and that's a great thing but as a coach you try to rein them in like no don't don't, yes. don't take that fight take a lesser fight that's the way it's not because i don't believe in modestas because like i say you know he could beat anyone in that division he has that skill set already to do so but i do want him to settle and feel um uh to, to, to gain more pressure performance at that level so that he can switch on earlier in that first mm-hmm. round rather than a little later and um i definitely think modestas will be fighting crew again i think he will get the win next time around and um yeah but you know nothing nothing's going to change right now other than focusing on the fight that we got ahead that's what we're working on like modesta said now game plan is so much more valuable to us after the experience he had with crew and boy are we putting a game plan in motion um modesta's training is looking absolutely incredible um you know every training camp has its issues to get over but we're finding we're getting over them so so quickly that things this time have really really smooth running i'm feeling absolutely confident i know modesta's is feeling confident this is just a, a fantastic time for his career. Well, like just on Jimmy Crook, Dan. Um, obviously, I said he's ranked twelfth. His uh, he's fighting on the twenty seventh. He was due to fight Johnny mm-hmm. Walker, who's ranked number nine. Walker's injured, so they've put him against Anthony Smith, who's ranked seven, uh, ranked six. Sorry, and I got to be honest, I see Jimmy Crook beating Anthony Smith. Um, so that yeah. backs up again what you just said about really he's probably a top five fighter. So absolutely, 
it's uh, that division is in really interesting because I feel like there's uh, a handful, probably five, six fighters um, outside the rankings and sort of lower down that top 15 who probably beat some of the older heads higher up in the rankings. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how that light heavyweight division develops over the next 18 months because assuming you know that there's no break and that the cards keep coming on a weekly basis we could see could see some big fights um danny on just as a coach what was the hardest thing after modestus's loss and the his first loss in the ufc like what was the hardest thing in the aftermath of that for you seeing how much he hurt mm. it, it, it was it was devastating you know um all the students have such a passion and uh, and modesta's probably got some of the most passion i've ever witnessed before um yeah that 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 hurts me um mm. it's not nice to see it's like seeing your you know your little brother you know mm. get hurt because he, he does a tournament of any any stretch and he's young and, and hurts and you feel their emotion it yeah it hurts it's the only thing but Look at the way Modestus is talking about it now. This is his growth. You know, he is a young lad, um, and uh, he's developing as a person um, into you know a blossoming adult. And um, yeah, he was sulky. He was upset. He was disappointed. Um, but look the, the way that a little bit of time has changed his attitude. Now he's taken real positive things from that potentially negative experience and therefore it's not truly negative yes it's a loss but this is a fight game of the highest order this is in ufc you know to go through unbeaten is a, a real oddity you're gonna have your losses from time to time although we try to keep that to a bare minimum uh it's how you how you react to them isn't it? yeah it is how you react to it and the reaction is not really what matters immediately after because there's so much emotion inv involved. What really matters is the adaptation over time. And like I say, look at what Modestus has done. He's turned this into nothing but a, a, a positive situation, an evolution situation where he's now adapted his training. And we're just all getting better. I'm not a perfect coach, but what this is doing is, is helping me um, along with Modestus, along with the other students that experience their successes and their, their fouls to grow and we're all getting better from this and yeah just watch this space good things are coming i, I guarantee that excellent uh modestus i mentioned jimmy crude's got a fight on the uh 27th uh you also have a fight coming up soon uh is that on the 27th as well yeah i think uh jimmy's fight has been moved to ufc 261 ah, okay. so I, I believe his fight's now on april 20th or 21st or something got you. Um, okay. Because I, I think Anthony Smith said that he wasn't ready to fight at that yeah. time, so they, they uh, moved it. But mine will be on the 27th, yeah. And who's that against? So it's going to be against Michal Oleg Szechuk from Poland. Okay. Um, and yeah, so UFC 260, I mean, it's a massive card. We've got the heavyweight mm. title as the main event uh, against Nganu and, and Miocic. There, there, there's some big names on that card, so I'm, I'm really privileged to, to be able to fight on such a massive event. Yeah, that's a, that's a big, big card. It doesn't get any bigger than a pay-per-view with the heavyweight title as the main event. That's like the uh, that's the cream of the crop, isn't it? You know, that's mm, the, mm, mm, that's from the outside, especially for maybe the casual viewer looking in, like in boxing and MMA, like the heavyweight title is the big daddy, isn't it? That's the one <laughs> that everyone looks at. So like, 
like you say, be on that card is uh, interesting. Do you know much about your opponent? Uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, like I said, we we've been, we've been focusing a lot on on game plan and you know watching tape together and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, he's 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 a good fighter. Obviously, he wouldn't have the record, you know, such an extensive record that he has without you know having being gifted in certain areas and mainly his his main strength is his, his striking with a powerful. Uh, rear hand but uh, obviously there are a lot of faults which uh, me Danny and the team have all been looking into which we are going to look to exploit so uh, yeah I think he's a very good athlete a very good competitor but very beatable and uh, that is exactly the mindset I'm going into this fight with as um so obviously like I don't want to like harp on on your loss but like obviously you it's your first, it was your first loss of the UFC. Has your, anything changed about your preparation for this next fight because of that? Uh, slightly. Um, it's changed in a couple of ways. So, like I said, strategy has become more of an important role uh, in, in, in my training. We, we literally all sat down as a team together and figured out all the points. I have it written in my notebook. We figured out exactly what his tendencies are, what he does. Listen, in a fight, you're going to have to adapt uh, to whatever the guy throws at you on the day. But obviously, like I say, there's things that you second nature go back to. doesn't matter what you do. So obviously, we're looking just to see what those tendencies are. So that was one thing. So highlighting those particular uh, areas. Um, the second thing, I think, is just doing different things in sparring. So you're trying to achieve particular goals in sparring. And especially for me and like my in my growth and, and, and stuff like that. So... Everything's just like very linked more towards this particular fight. Um, like I said, you've got to, adapt to, got to adapt to whatever uh, gets thrown in during the fight. But uh, everything in my sparring, to my pad work, to my wrestling and everything, we're doing it very, very specific to this opponent. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just coming with a bit more intensity. I think, you know, you, you can be a sportsman and you can be a good guy and this and that. But when it comes to fighting, you've got to, be, you've got to have a little bit of a, some sort of fierceness, a bit of intensity to you. I've definitely added that to my training. Um, you know, I've, I've, got a, I've got a sports psychologist helping me as well. Um, just like, you know, talking to me and stuff like that to get that out of me again. Because I feel like that's yeah. when I perform at my best. So uh, I'm using that to sort of help me get out and... Um, Aside from that, and I, I've got to bring out um, a bit of my, you know, a bit of my striking roots again. I feel, I feel like, you know, don't get me wrong. See, you, you've got to concentrate in all aspects and stuff like that. But you know, I need, I need to bring, bring out some of the venom and stuff that, some of the stuff that was sort of a little bit in the back burner. I, I was worrying a lot about defense, and uh, don't get me wrong, I'm still putting, like, I'm still working on all those things. But, you know, I'm having a bit more of an offensive mindset as well, because at the end of the day, when I'm fighting further on, yeah, you're going to have to do the defense, but, you, you know, you're going to have to be offensive as well. And you're going to have to implement your game plan and your will as much as having to defend certain things. So it's just basically just, uh, um, you know, opening up my skill set and, uh, yeah, just filling in the gaps, filling in the holes, as, as Danny would say, uh, just filling in the cracks to, to make sure that I become more of a complete fighter. And, uh not only will this help me for this fight, but every other fight in the future. Yeah, it's interesting, mate. There about um, the sports psychologist and just bringing out like a bit of um, a bit of an edge by the sounds of it. Um, and when you look at all the top, like top top athletes, fighters, footballers, rugby players, uh, runners, whatever it may, whatever sport it is, the the very top guys have got that fierceness they've got a bit of an edge to them sometimes they can be a bit 
what can perceive be perceived as being a bit nasty, but it's not necessarily nasty. It's that competitiveness and that will to win uh, by any means necessary on the day in the match in the fight. Um, and it sounds like that's something that you're looking to bring bring out to the to the party, which you know is I look forward to seeing that because it's you know it's obvious like you're striking. You know, it's clear if anyone's seen any of your previous fights, seen video clips of you training, you've got some incredible strikes in your locker. Um, so I look forward to seeing some of those, mate. I've got to say, uh, I, can't, um, I can't wait to I can't wait to show it out for you. Lot. Like I say, uh, I'm definitely feeling very confident. The training's been going absolutely amazing, and uh, yeah, like I say, the, the fight couldn't come any sooner for me. So we had a couple of questions sent in for you. Uh, JD said, uh, what's your favourite entrance music and is it any different to music which you would train to or run to? To be honest, yeah, like like my entrance music, I've just literally found a song, probably I think either just this weekend or like these past two days ago that I'm like, that's it, that is the song because usually I come out to gigs talking the hardest for you oldies, obviously you're not going to know who that is or, or I know who that is. <laughs> I know that is. That's going to be, but uh, you know what I mean? But grime, that, 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 that's my usual tune just because it gets me in like that, that, that fight sort of mood and that fight zone. It's like a very like aggressive sort of song. But yeah, I mean, I pretty much, my entrance song would be very similar to like all the other songs that I listen to when I'm training. I, I don't know. I like, I like hip hop, but the thing is I, I like rock. I like all genres. I find it so funny how when I was very young, it's like you're almost trying to impress people and you're part of a certain group or whatever. And like you, 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 you um, funnel yourself to only a particular genre. Like it's a, I used to listen to hip hop and rap and that was it. Did not listen to, to rock, did not listen to any other type of things or, or, or whatever. And I used to like literally like hate it and push it to the side but as you get older you realize like obviously what people think of you and like you know what kind of groups you're hanging with doesn't matter at all and then you sort of open up your uh, you open up your horizons especially when i went yeah, to america yeah. they listened to completely different music i remember the first couple of days they were playing hip-hop just to keep me happy because that's what i told them that i liked and then literally <laughs> three days later they looked at themselves and they started playing what they really like, like really like hardcore, like, you know, those screamo type music. And I was literally sitting there like my ears were ringing. I'm like, what is going on? But after about a couple of weeks, I'm like, do you know what? I'm actually finding this pretty catchy. So it's crazy how as time goes on, you learn to appreciate more, more genres and, and, and more forms. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. guess that's just, you know, in term that that's just what happens in development as a human, you know? Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, John asks, uh, if you could fight any fighter, past or present, who would it be? It's the same answer every single time, and it is John Jones. I mean, I've, 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 I've said it on so many interviews before. I mean, not only having the privilege of being able to train with him and, and you know, like on a daily basis, and, you know, when he was training, uh, coming back, I think, for his Ovin St. Prue fight, just being around him and just seeing his aura and, you know, just his mentality and stuff like that, you know, that was when he was, like, really focused to getting back in and, and, and getting back on a winning streak and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, listen, he's a legend of the sport, came in at such a young age and dominated after like literally six months training. And then within a couple of years, he became the UFC world champion. I mean, to fight a legend, to fight like probably the GOAT of MMA at this time. I mean, what more of uh, an amazing fight would that be to have? To be able to face the GOAT, the guy who's considered mm. the best of all time. Uh, for me, that would that that would be the fight that I would that, that would be like my absolute dream fight. Just to be able to... Mm. 
go and compete against the best in the sport. Because yeah. when you're when you're training for these things, you want to be the best. You don't just want to be some guy who just oh I'm going in and trying it. No, I want to be the best, and that would be the only way to do it. So uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And plus, like to me, like he's still unbeaten as well because like his losses, yeah. uh, one was overturned and one was I think a uh, no contest or a disqualification. I think on it, but like. Um, how do you see his bout with uh, Adesanya going when they eventually do it? Oh, uh, what? John Jones and Adesanya? Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe John Jones would be a lot bigger. I mean, at the minute, it seems like he's like fully shaped into his heavyweight frame. Uh, I'm not sure Adesanya would be able to get up to that. I think the size and the wrestling would play a massive factor. I think mm. Adesanya's got amazing striking, but then again, John Jones is also very versatile and... I believe he has a four and a half inch reach advantage, um, which would also play a factor. And his legs are so long. Like I remember sparring him and you could be in the center. He could be in the center of the cage and you're literally by the end of the cage and he could kick you from the center of the cage with a sidekick. And I'm like, how's that even possible? (laughs) So he's got, he's got very long limbs, got absolutely amazing wrestling. I mean, I would see it going into the, into the hands of John Jones. Um, but obviously those those type of super fights, obviously they'll be extremely interesting to see. But I do believe obviously Adesanya has got a very unique style himself. So it'll be, it'll be something very interesting to see. Hopefully that will happen in the future. Yeah, I think one thing for me with that is people are forgetting that really Adesanya has got to get through Blachowicz first to even get the John Jones <laughs> exactly. fight. And I, people seem to be just like assuming that, yeah, that's a given. Mate, Blachowicz yeah. is a absolute animal and uh, I just got really looking forward to that fight because I do feel like people just assume that Adesanya look don't get me wrong Israel Adesanya is an absolute beast he is um, for me he's one of the probably the the best pound for pound fighters in the world and he's so young but I think it's a mistake to underestimate uh, Jan Blauchowicz. And I'm sure yeah. Adesanya and his team are not. But the media and, and people from like the outside, it's almost like they're looking past Blauchowicz. And I'm just like, no, nah, don't do that, mate. Uh, um, Blauchowicz, uh, he's devastating on the ground. And being that he's naturally bigger than Adesanya, he's, he's, they're probably going to yeah. engage in the ground in so, at some point. And it's going to be with Blauchowicz on top. And he'll hunt for the submission. He ain't going to dilly-dally just with ground a pound. He's going to strike you to open up for that submission attempt. He, he's a pretty high-level grappler. Mm, yeah, but, well, you'd think, whether it's Joe, Joe, John Jones' fight or the Blauchowicz fight, like you'd think that it's to Adesanya is going to want to keep it on the feet, keep it from a distance. Yeah. But that also suits John Jones for the Jones Jones fight. He's happy to fight from a distance. Like Modest has mentioned, he's got a tremendous reach. And also... With Blauchowicz, at some point, he's going to get hold of Adesanya, unless Adesanya does get like an early KO, um, which is then going to be problematic. Uh, a couple more questions, Mo, for you. Um, in your opinion, who will be the next British champion in the UFC? Well, obviously, I would say myself. <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've, I've got to put that one out there uh, for sure. Uh, I definitely believe I'm going to be the next uh, Lithuanian-British uh, uh, UFC champion. Uh, but I do think Tom Aspinall's looking like a very uh, promising star uh, in the heavyweight division. I mean, listen, there, there's a hell of a load of killers in that division also. Uh, but he had an absolutely amazing performance uh, last night against Arlovsky. Yes, so... 
Uh, he definitely seems like a contender coming out. I mean, listen, you've got so many great fighters. I think Britain is starting to produce some very, very good fighters. You've got Nathaniel Wood as well. Jack Shaw is, a, is another uh, very, very talented fighter. So, listen, the, the, the British are coming. The invasion, the, the invasion is very it, strong. Mate. So, uh, yeah, we, we are definitely coming. Not only to uh, get into the top ranks, but, uh, yeah, to start winning championships for sure. Yeah, Dan, we've been saying for a while, haven't we, that we, this, like in the next five years, we do think that there's going to be a almost like an invasion of British names in the in the rankings and the titles. Even like we spoke to Corey McKenna last week, um, and like she came off a really impressive debut. She looks like a super talented young lady, and a lot of these British fighters who are coming in to the UFC or are on the brink of the UFC or are already in the UFC, they're also young. Um, and yeah. like like you mentioned, Jack Shaw, he, he's like I think twenty four or something, and like he's just quietly just destroying people as he's going along. And like the UFC's been quite clever with him in how they've built him up. They've kind of just gradually given him people, and he's taken them apart. So it's going to be interesting. But you mentioned Tom Aspinall; I thought he was very impressive. And uh, you know, Andre Arlovsky is a it's quite a big name for him to to take. Dan, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, if we remember when we did our predictions, I, I thought that Velosky might just get it through his experience. Um, the only thing that Asmaral did, which I was expecting, was for him to get a bit too excited and go for a finish that weren't really there. Um, do you remember when he clinched up and was going for those body strikes? Kind of really busted a nut, and those body shots weren't really hurting Velosky. One got through to his face and damaged his face. But Oloski was still plenty in the picture. And he's not someone that's just going to crumble to a little bit of pressure like that. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, then um, Oloski started looking quite good, didn't he? He started opening up with his striking. I was thinking, ah, this is where it's going to start turning and the, the experience is going to start showing through. But Aspinall, he picked it up and he took it into a different area and, and he pulled off the win. He did look very, very good. If people don't beat someone like Aspinall soon, he's going to get experience and he's going to become harder and harder to beat. I mean, this guy's a big guy, six foot five. And, and he's light on his feet as well. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. I think if someone doesn't stop him soon in terms of the next couple of fights and he just keeps going through people, like you could see him really developing. He's 27 like in comparison, uh, Arlovsky's forty-two and Aspinall's twenty-seven. Like that's a massive, um, massive age difference. But um, I'd be interested, mate, to see how his uh, his career develops. We'll talk about that fight in a bit more detail. But before we let you go, Mo, um, we've got one more question from someone, and, uh, and then I'm going to ask you for some predictions for next week. But um, Gaz asked, "Where do you see yourself in five years' time?" Where do I see myself? Well, I can tell you that I actually have some two-year objectives uh, written out on my, my little uh, sort of vision boards up there. But uh, I believe I'll be the UFC champion within two years. Um, and I'm looking to defend it and be on top of the game for, the, for like a very... I am hoping within five years from now, I'll be at the top of my game, at my peak, and looking maybe at sort of an exit from the game because... You know, you want to make as much money as you can and then and then get out and I want to help as many people as possible, you know. 
Like there, there's so many things that I have in my sights. Like I want, I want to be able to help the community. A lot of the people that have helped me, I want to help them to 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 do better. And and you know, like I want to help like these up and coming fighters, especially even like in Northampton, like other places, especially where I see like there's there could be like a lot of potential for them to come up and do the same thing. Like I want to be able to help those people. I want to help my family. I want to help like obviously my coaches and my training partners as well. So there's a lot of things that I'm looking I'm looking to do. So. You know, obviously, I have my sights set on that within the end of those sort of five years from now. Uh, winning a UFC title within two years will, will put me in a good position to be able to help all those people that have helped me uh, come up, especially during the struggles and the hard times, man. You've got to remember the people that have helped you through those times because... Uh, those are the ones who, you, you know, like I say, that, that that mean a hell of a lot to me. And like I, I care a lot about the people that, that have been with me and grown with me over these years. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking to do a lot of things with the community. I'm looking to, you know, looking to help my dad and, uh, yeah, be, be a world champion. And I want to be famous, man, as well. Like, listen, you've you got, you got to take everything in your stride. I want to... You know, I want to, I want to do things, man. So yeah, like I said, everything's going in that direction. So I just got to keep concentrating, keep my mind focused, and uh, yeah, just slowly pick up, pick off, and work towards that. I like it, mate. I like it. And uh, last question from me, sorry, mate. Um, Jordan Vucinek, teammate of yours, fighting for the featherweight title in the Cage Warriors trilogy uh, the week before yours against Morgan Sherrier. Tell me how that fight is going to go, in your honest opinion. I believe Jordan is going to come out with that strap. What's that? The featherweight strap. He's going to come out. Yeah. With a, we're going to have another Cage Warriors belt added to the collection. Uh, listen, Jordan is uh, a tremendous, tremendous athlete. I've I've watched him and I've trained alongside him over the years. And, you know, like I say, our friendship's grown uh, over the years. And, you know, uh, he's been under the watchful eye of Danny and Raymond and all the other coaches. And... The crazy thing about him is that he's so all-rounded. Like, I've seen him in sparring, like, do a bit of everything. And that's what you need in this game right now because the game's growing so much. So for, for him to be able to have everything, like, really, like, really well-developed, it means that he can control where the game's going to go. In, in a way, I almost feel like he's sort of been ahead of the game, like, at his because I believe he's only about two years younger than me. But when I was that age, he's already ahead of at that time. So... You know, Jordan, I believe, will get the finish. Uh, I, do, I can't exactly say which round, but listen, he's very methodical. He's got amazing striking, good wrestling. My boy Vichenik is going to come out with the title. Believe that. Excellent. And that was my title like once. I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> once upon a time, Danny. In the black, black, black and white days then, mate. <laughs> um, right. Let's get let's do our predictions for next week, and then we'll let uh, we'll let Mo shoot off. Um, we won't do all of them; just a couple of the bigger fights. Um, I want to ask you first of all about Pedro Munez versus Jimmy Riviera at bantamweight. Uh, Munez ranked eight, Jimmy Riviera ranked nine. Could be a good one. Uh, Danny, what's your prediction for that one, mate? Riviera. And uh, what about you, Mo? Yeah, I agree with Danny. That's exactly what I would go for. Um, I mean, they're, they're both incredible fighters, but I think Jimmy's, uh, in terms of being more, he's a bit more of the all-rounded fighter and he's a bit more aggressive. So I think that will come into come into play, especially when he fights Munoz. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Riviera's on the upper deck and he's been very impressive. I like Pedro Munez, although I think it was his last fight. 
I thought he was a bit sloppy. It might have been the fight before, though. Uh, I'm going to go with Munez. Uh, Nikita Krylov versus Mahmed Ankalov at light heavyweight. Ranked 8 versus ranked 11. This is an interesting fight to me. And I'm sure you'll be having a close eye on this one, uh, Modestus. How do you see this fight going? Uh, I'll say Ankalaev will take it. Um, be I, I believe he's a southpaw from what I've yeah, seen. Um, I mean, listen, he's got very good striking. He's got good takedown defense. I mean, listen, he had that a little bit of a blip uh, when he fought uh, Paul Craig and got submitted in like literally the, the last second. But uh, in terms of um, overall, like like I said, overall skill set, they, they both got good grappling. I think Nikita Krylov may have a little bit better grappling, but it seems like Ankalaeva has got a better placement of punches. Like his striking mm. seems a bit more crisp and he can defend the takedown. I think it's going to be a bit hard for, for Krylov to overcome that. So I'm going to go with Ankalaev. Yeah. Where are you, Dan? I pretty much agree with the whole analysis of what Modesta said. Uh, I just think he's more crisper where it matters and that's going to be on the feet. I just don't, I can't see it going into another area other than on the feet, to be honest. And I, yeah, I just think he's going to get the job done there. I think he's going to get the finish as well. This ain't going to go the distance. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to go with Nikita Krylov, and uh, you know, you just love just, to be different. You just, you just no, want to a, say things that are against us, don't you? It's just me and I Danny just, versus you, isn't it? Just, I, I just know with, with predictions. If I go against Danny nine times out of ten, I'll probably be right. <laughs> his, his record's not great, but uh, no, I um, I like I quite like Nikita Krylov. Although I am a big fan of uh, Ankalov as well, I'm really looking forward to that fight. I just think it's going to be fascinating because. Ultimately, I could see either guy winning and it wouldn't be a shock. So, mm-hmm. I like fights like that. Um, and then the main event is a heavyweight bout between uh, Rosenstruck and Cyril Gain. Uh, ranked three versus ranked seven. Uh, Danny first. Which one? Which way do you see that one going or how do you see it going? That's a hard one to predict. I'm going to go Rosenstruck, though. I, I, I'm gonna, yeah, let, let's go with that. Big, big man. Yeah. This is the first one that I'm going to be going against, Danny. I think I think Cyril, Cyril Gain will have it. I mean, yeah, you could argue that obviously Gain has uh, less experience, but uh, his striking, realistically, I think, is on a different. Again, it's a, it's the same between the Ankalive and Krylov. He's just he just seems crisper and he moves better. And yeah, man, uh, Gain, I'm, I'm going to have Gain, to go Gain. Gain needs. The game needs space. He needs someone to stand just in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, Rosenstruck won't do that. He'll he'll run into him. And I think he's going to pressure him. I think, um, for me, like Cyril Gain has got... He's got reach, weight, and his striking is so good that I just... that would That's where I think he might catch Rosenstruck is when as Rosenstruck comes in, I think. Mm. Because I think, you're right, that's Rosenstruck's best... Op- best his best chance of winning is to get in there, get in the pocket, and really try and uh, nail Gain. But I just think that Cyril Gain is striking is superb. It's going to be a good yeah. fight, though. He's like really methodical. Heavyweights, I, mate, I, as well. Yeah, they are. They are. But to, to me, Gain really does impress me, especially with his last performance. But I think he was allowed to look good in his last performance. Um, yeah, yeah, I just don't. I think when someone's really clinical and clean with their technique like that, you have to ruffle their feathers. And, and Rosenstruck's my man to do that. I think if it's going to be interesting, but uh, you know, it, it, uh, you know, as a fan, I, I really like watching game fight. I've 
I think he's got great potential. I just don't think he's quite there yet. Yeah, spot on, mate. There's a couple of fights on the prelims to keep an eye on. William Knight versus Alonso Minefield, Mainfield. Uh, Really looking forward to that one. And uh, there's uh, Alexander Hernandez versus Thiago Moises. It's like the main fight of the prelims. And there's the two female fights on the prelims. Look like absolute bangers. You've got uh, Marianne Renoir versus Macy Chieson. And uh, Alex Alexis Davis versus Sabina Mazo. Um, both of those fights, I think, are going to be superb. Mm. So we might have a bit of a longer show next week, Dan, because we might cover all the prelims if they Bring it if on. they Bring if it they on. go if they go how I think they're going to go. But um, Modestus, appreciate you joining us, mate, as ever. Always good to have you, and you're all obviously always welcome back. And I uh, I hope next time. Do we see you? You'll uh, be on the back of an impressive victory in the UFC, my friend. Yeah. No doubt, my man. Hey, listen, thank you so much once again for having me on. Like I said, it's an absolute pleasure talking to both of you guys. I mean, I could I could talk to you guys for ages. Um, as always, we, we always have a good laugh. Uh, we always have a good catch-up. And yeah, next time we're going to be speaking, it's going to be us lifting our hands up in victory and getting <laughs> ready to go on another tear this year. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Much love to both of you guys. Take well it easy, my friend. Take, it easy. Yeah. See you Take care, guys. Well, Modestas Bukowskas in the house again. Always a pleasure to talk to the man. He's a, he's a lovely gentleman, but uh, I'm really looking forward to his next fight, mate, because I think he's gonna. He's got something to prove. I think not to not to maybe to you or to himself, but just yeah. some maybe some people who've doubted him coming off the back of that Jimmy Crout, Jimmy Crute fight. But to me, like I said during the interview or whatever like when we're talking to him like jimmy crew is a top five fighter and i i I fully fully expect him to beat anthony smith comfortably yeah yeah i gotta be honest um so we had a ufc card last night mate uh with the main event of curtis blades versus um derek lewis which didn't disappoint but um we'll start off at the start of the card mate um did you watch any of the prelims anything on the prelims sort of catch your eye uh don't know whether I did. I, I may have watched more than I, I watched. Hang on, one, two, three, four. I got five fights I saw. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, five. So there was six on the main card. So which one did you miss? I was there, all right. Uh, two, three, four, five, that would have been the Spivik one. I've actually got that playing so now. Spivik. And, uh, Spivik is on the prelims. So the main the card. Prelims. Yeah. So the main but, card uh, was. So, Tom Aspinall versus Arlovsky. Yeah, watch uh, that. Phil, Phil Hoves versus yeah. uh, Amayov. Chris Dukaus versus Aloynek. Uh, Derek Miner versus Charles Rosa. Yeah. Uh, Jana Kunitsteya versus Catalina uh, yeah. Vieira. And then the main event was the Derek Lewis versus Kevin yeah, Blades. Six. That's... One, two, right. three, four. Five, six. Let's just go through and find out. Yeah, man. Um, but I will. I did want to talk to you a bit about the the Spivak uh, fight because Sergei Spivak has um, he's been doing all right. He's uh, been sort of ticking along. Um, I was surprised that uh, he was like so low on the card. Like I'm not saying I thought he should be on the main card, but I just was surprised to see him. You know, I think he was the first fight actually on the prelims. But um, I know you said you're watching that now. Yeah. Anything yeah. sticking out for you from his performance? 
Yeah, it just looks like he's um, just very, very strong in his top position. You know, it, it, it looks that's what it looks like from this first round. Um, yeah, he's, he's a big, strong dude. The second round, yeah, very much the same. It, yeah, he just looks like he's just genetically bigger, and um, and knowing how to impose himself. Um, yeah, he's looking pretty, pretty convincing so far. He's going to be um, one to watch, I think, isn't he? Because just because of his size and his, do- he just dominates his opponents. Um, like the, just the, he seems bigger than his opponents in that same yeah. division. Um, and I know, like you get like a slight weight difference and height difference, but he just seems genetically bigger than everyone. Um, which yeah, it's kind of interesting because he's clearly when he gets on top, he's clearly very difficult to. To stop, um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm watching Bandera now, and he's just clumsy on his feet when he's clinched up in, in the wrestling. He's, he just doesn't look advanced enough in his wrestling. Um, Spivak's not even having to chain together any complex routines in the wrestling. He, he, he's getting down, and once he's got down on his back, Bandera just doesn't have the know-how how to scramble back up. He's right near the fence, and he's not using the fence to try and scramble back up. He's setting him to be on his back and survive. Uh, yeah, that that's not too impressive. So as much as Spivik's doing really good, uh, his opponent was not really giving him much, no, much issues. Uh, wasn't even making his successive hard, uh, successes hard owned for. You know, he's yeah, yeah, having an easy run. It looks like a sparring session actually for Spivik. So um, the 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 first fight on the main card, Andrei Lovsky versus Tom Aspinall. We talked about it a little bit just now, but. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Tom Aspinall's performance? Because this is a big fight for him. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, I, I was not too sure whether the fight was going to be a, a step up in experience a little too soon for him because you know he has been performing incredible, but it's still relatively inexperienced in the big scheme, especially going up against someone like Olofsky, who's been in it a long, long time and right at the top level as well. And Olofsky's kept himself in good, good shape as well. You know, he's still absolutely legit. You very rarely see him gassed or out on his feet because of his age. He, he's still absolutely relevant in there. I just thought Aspinall might have tried to go for a premature finish and might find himself gassed and then being picked apart in later rounds. Um, that nearly happened, I felt. I, um, Aspinall really went for these body shots, really wasting mm. a lot of energy in them. And they weren't really doing a lot of damage to Oloski. I think he'd done more damage to his head when he went on this little mad flurry. You know, as the fight went on, you see him slow down a little. And Oloski started coming forward on that sense and a little bit of confidence. Aspinall went on another little flurry. He went to the ground. Now, I was really disappointed in Oloski's lack of awareness of what might come. Um, I don't know whether he was just hurt and wanted a way out. But he had both hands on the mat when Aspinall hooked in the rear naked choke. Um, no fighting of the wrist whatsoever. A uh, little yeah. bit surprising. A little bit disappointing, but it is what it is. And Aspinall took a great victory in taking out someone like Golovsky. Yeah. Um, like we said before, I just feel like if you're going to stop someone like Aspinall growing in confidence and growing in um, experience and growing in skill set with his training, I know he's with a great camp, uh, a great team. Uh, you're just going to see him get better and stronger. And, and that, that size is right at the top end of, the, of that sort of like size uh, in that division is going to be a hard force to reckon with being that he's so young. Yeah, 100%, mate. I couldn't agree more with you with that. It's um, one of them, isn't it? It's like, it was an impressive display. Yeah. Um, 
and it's a big name to take like yeah for me like on your your resume and and that i think it positions aspinall nicely now to try and push on you know in and up those rankings the heavyweight division is a real interesting one and we're going to talk obviously talk about it in the main event in a bit um but we said last week there's some beatable names in there for yeah. the the younger guys to come up and try and you know take ahead from um was there anyone who you'd like to see them pit Aspinall against next? I mean, if uh, you're looking at the bottom of the rankings, you've got like uh, Tiburo's 15th, uh, Pavlovic, Ivanov, Junior, Dos Santos, Roth, Walt Harris, all your neck obviously lost last night. Yeah, yeah. Joe, you know what? To be honest, any of those would be a great pick for him. Um, but I, we haven't seen much of his groundwork. Um, yeah. It, it, perhaps, perhaps it'd be good to see him you know, up against someone who could wrestle a little bit better, maybe see what he's got in regards to his defensive game to avoid the ground. And maybe if he gets put to the ground, see what he has there, have the pure interest. But, mm. you know, with that kind of performance, you know, it's, it, he could be ready to fight any of those. I think the problem for him is he's not getting much cage time and he's sort of disposing of people quite quickly. And that's not going to be good for your experience growth, is it? But No. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's just let's just just watch. It's too soon to say how he's going to blossom, but I'm sure, you know, he he's going to be developing very very nicely each performance that we see him. Yeah, in. at the end of the day, you can only beat what's in front of you, can't you? And you can only uh, you can only do what you can do. But he's doing it very very well at the moment. Next up yeah. was uh, Phil Hawes versus uh, Nasudine Imavov um, with Phil Hawes. Uh, Looking pretty good. He defeated Imavon. Uh, oh, Jesus. Imavov via majority yeah. decision 28 28, 20, 29 28, 29 28. So yeah. One of the judges yeah. had it as a draw. Right, yeah. That, that was kind of quite surprising, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, yeah, Howes looked really, really good. He just looked so strong, although he was wobbled a little too easy for my liking. Is yes. that due to cutting a lot of weight? Because he's highly muscled at that, that division. Um, yeah, he's Imavov, jacked, he? Yeah, Imavov, he just didn't play a good strategy. He didn't, he, he could clearly, he's got the, the ability to hurt House, but he just didn't footwork right. He didn't play the right game for his physicality advantages, which was clearly, you know, his footwork and fluidity of his striking. He just got crashed into the wrestling and got put down and had his game somewhat smothered. It's quite frustrating to watch his performance because at times when he got free and started doing the damage, he started sitting up on the edge of your seat thinking, OK, look, he's going to come back with an emphatic stoppage win. But he got quickly stamped out by House's clinch game. He just got wrestled, screwed, really. Um, it almost looked like House was more like a physical man and um, Imavov was almost boyish when he got clinched up. He, he kind of didn't even get taken down with super crisp wrestling. It, he was bowled down with just a simple, you know, hip brace, just sucked him in and picked him up and slammed him down to the ground. Yeah, a little bit. And I, I was just a little surprised, you know, that he didn't have a little bit more in him and uh, a little bit of more know-how. You would think that his corner team would be telling footwork off centre line and try and keep Hauser out of striking range where he was having success. His successes were just fleeting and not enough to stamp the authority on the match to either win the rounds in terms of judges or to get a stoppage win, which I think he was capable of, but just doing it in the wrong way. And, yeah, he, he, he paid the price by losing the fight. 
Yeah, it was um, a bit of a wild finish right at the end of that third round. Uh, had uh, landed a, a big knee that had forced Hawes back, and Amaivov started throwing quite wildly. He nearly knocked uh, knocked Hawes out, but Hawes was still standing. He wobbled against the cage. Um, Amaivov was against the cage, sorry, and then the buzzer sounds, and it went to the judges' scorecards. Um, I thought Hawes was generally, like, the fight overall, very, very impressive. Um, I agree with your assessment of Amavayov, but um, I also felt that he showed glimpses of something, but just maybe his game plan wasn't where it should have been. Um, Next up, we had um, Alexei Oilianek, who's ranked number 10, versus uh, Chris Dukaus. Now, this one only went 1 minute 55, uh, with Chris Dukaus picking up the victory. Uh, To some, this was a surprise, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Olenek, we know he's got a really good submission game. He's never looked great on his feet. Uh, he sort of like gets the job done. He sort of like mopes forward like Frankenstein and throws big shots in and clinches up and, and tries to get it to the ground. It, it was really surprising the way he tried to drag it to the ground with that head and arm um, position and sort of flopped mm. to his back. It looked very, very clumsy. But he is generally clumsy on his feet, but he's so effective. You know, he's got so many wins on his resume, so you can't write him off when he's doing this. It's just the way he is. But uh, Dalka started looking really good with his hands. He, he looked like he's throwing them really thick and fast. And um, when he started defending the takedown and throwing in those shots, he started to wobble uh, Onik. And yeah, he started looking vulnerable. And Onik was just was not throwing anything back. Got pinned up against the fence. Uh, when I say pinned up, I don't mean wrestling pinned. Got pinned up against the fence with the striking. I just didn't footwork off. I think this is a big problem for him. He just doesn't have any any lightness about his footwork. And he mm. just got fixed up against the fence. And, of course, the ref's going to step in. So many unanswered blows. Um, and he was really given a little longer chance than most, I think, for the fact that he weren't falling over or wobbling. But he was just fixed in this statued position um, while uh, Dekaus was just opening up on him. But it was a great There's victory a- for Dekaus. It was yeah. There was a there was a point about forty five seconds in where Oilinek tries to he got him in like a, his grip of his head and his his arm and he tries to drag yeah. him down and he yeah, sometimes so he sometimes he gets turned around himself and before you know it uh, the cows is unloaded on him from yeah. a, a dominant position because Oilinek tried to drag him down the uh, cows mm. just used his strength held him off and then you had. Oilinek sat in like a sitting position and yeah. uh, and Dukaus is just unloading on him and then as he's trying to scramble up Oilinek's got his back to him and he's yeah. taking shots and he never quite got himself settled after that, he just kept taking shot after shot and yeah, oh, oh, you know, particularly in these, heavier, in these heavier weight divisions mate, you can't expect the referees to just allow yeah. Shot after shot and knees and punches to the head. Yeah, you know they're just not going to do it, mate. They're just not going to do it. No, 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 matter no, no. Who no. You are. I, uh, yeah, we, we both, I think, noticed that when someone's going on a flurry and you're not doing anything back to to prevent it, either shooting or you know just changing the rhythm of the fight. Uh, and you can't just stay there and take punches like that. You've got to. You've got to get a move. You have got to throw something back and get knocked out, or potentially, yeah. But or maybe knock them out. Or, or you've got a footwork ground. and you got to run away. You do see some people just run off the fence, literally, just yeah. sprint 
and almost turn their back on the the guy to get out. You would think he would show some kind of an urgency, but he just didn't. He just stayed there. Sluggish, and he's real sluggish. Yeah, it didn't look very good. Do you remember when, um, when we saw him against the Brazilian? Um, oh, my goodness, what was his name? Uh, the world champion jiu-jitsu guy. Terrible with names. Big dude, he looked great. His, his cardio was incredible. And, and he sort of like just put the cardio on, on him. It just He looked so out of shape. Um, a kind of disappointing performance here. He's so hit and miss. He's, he's either great um, with what he does and, and forces his clumsiness onto people, gets the job done, or he can lose like that, where it looked like nothing was going to be successful that he was attempting. Uh, it was an ugly, ugly fight for him. It was, yeah. Um, next up was the only fight I haven't seen, um, which was Derek Minor versus Charles Rosa. Uh, so tell tell me about this one, mate. All right, yeah, this this, this was good. Um, this was initially to sum up the fight. Um, it was a lot on the ground with uh, Derek Minor playing the top position, and you had Charles Rosser happy to play off his back and looking really dangerous. He had a couple of near misses with arm bars, um, really got active hips, but Derek Minor was just really controlling the positions enough to sort of smother it. Um, Rosa, it was almost like Rosa was, you know, if you was looking at this in terms of striking, it was like one guy was just going hell-bent on the knockout every time he did throw. But for, for the like couple of flurries he'll do in a round, he'll throw the round away on, on points, but mm. just go for the knockout. It was like that in reverse for the grappling. It was like Rosa was trying all out on his back to get the submission. And Miner was just trying to get through the rounds without being submitted and, and just get the win um, on each round. It surprised me, really, Charles Russell's uh, approach to the fight because fighting off your back predominantly ain't going to get you the win. I mean, you've got to submit someone if you're going to fight off your back, you pretty much. Um, and as much as he was trying, that's a funny game plan to, to, to put, especially as mine is a good grappler himself. He really is. Um, a yeah. lot of people would see him as a, a as a better grappler than Charles Russell, possibly. Um, indeed, it seemed to sh present itself that way. So, yeah, a, a little bit of high eyebrows in... Charles Rosa's approach to this match, um, I don't think it was the way to try to go about trying to get the win. Uh, yeah, a little surprise there, but great for Miner. Miner did start to look a little tired towards the latter part of that third round. Had this been a five-round contest, things perhaps could have been different, but it wasn't the case. It was a three-round fight, and Rosa lost all three rounds. Yeah. Yeah, um, like I say, I didn't watch that one, but uh, I appreciate your breakdown of it, mate. Nonetheless, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There, there were some good things that, 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 that happened in there. It was, it, it was good because it's different. Now we're seeing so many slugfests on the feet um, mm. in MMA. It was nice to see some graphic exchanges. Um, yeah, mm. but yeah, it, it, it was me on top pretty much and, and Charles Russell underneath. And uh, yeah, that's a, a good way of knowing you've lost a round if you don't get the submission. Yeah. Uh, next up was Yana Kunastek. Kuniskaya versus Ketlin Vieira uh, with uh, Jana Kuniskaya getting the victory via unanimous decision 29-28 across the boards. Uh, this was a good little fight, mate, I thought. This was a good little fight. I was actually surprised on the decision. I don't know whether you felt the same. Um, Vieira was very, very good in the first round. She succeeded with the takedown. She looked slightly physically bigger than uh, Jana. And um, it looked like it was going to you know, pretty much go this way for the three rounds, but not the case. 
and the second round was like the first round in reverse. Um, it was Yana that got Vieira down and was playing all the top position. And mm. so, you know, to me, it was one round apiece. But in yes. that in that third round, when Yana was beginning to get confident that, you know, the tide had turned in the fight, she was really starting to breathe out and making noises with her strikes, really, clearly feeling confident. And with that confidence, become complacent because Vieira took her down really quite easily, too easily. And um, she was all over on the grappling front, I felt, for much of the third round, um, where she ended up going for an attempt on the back, but lost control of Yana briefly, um, for which you know, they got stood up and uh, reversed the position. Uh, but now, the only way I could think why the judges scored it for Yana rather than Vieira uh, was that Vieira, although she controlled the positions on the ground, really didn't do any type of striking or damage. Um, and when Yana had a brief moment on top, which was I think was less than a minute, she was going in with elbows and punches. She was yeah. really trying to get the win. I think that was the case. So I think there could be a lesson learned, uh, the, the, the fighters who watch this and see that kind of judging, that, look, if you take someone down and you get good positions, get proactive. I'm proactive. Yes. I'm talking about striking. I always say this to my students. Work hard on the takedown. The next thing you work hard on is establishing position. Then go to town with strikes before any submission attempt. Just get some damage to score the takedown. You know, the takedown ain't truly scoring unless you secure it with some ground and pound. Um, yeah, that's what I think went against her here. But I was still surprised that her hand got lifted at the end of it. I just thought she lost the first round and thought she lost the third round. Yeah, me too. I thought um, Vieira, that third round, from a grappling point of view, completely won the round comfortably. Um, but one thing which I think always works in the favour is the round finishes with Kunastaya had rolled into top control and she was ending ended the fight. The last yeah. thing the judges see is Kunastaya hitting these massive elbows from the you know from that position, and it's. I just yeah. wonder whether that's tipped it because I felt Vieira won that third round quite comfortably. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I was just surprised. I, I felt that she won the first round. Would you agree? Uh, I, I always get Cause confused she was on... with the rounds. Yes, yes. Yeah, so Vieira was... won the first round comfortably, and then yeah, because the, the, the second round was almost like a mirror image of the first, but yeah, with Kunastaya on top. Um, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. I just thought Vieira won basically. Mm. Um, yeah, and then uh, the next fight was the main event of the evening. This was enjoyable. Um, Curtis Blades faced Derek Black Beast Lewis. Derek Lewis is just a born entertainer. People sometimes don't like some of the stuff he says. Um, I don't really care what he says because ultimately when it comes to fighting, the man entertains me. And um, yeah. he, he did it again today. Curtis Blades, by the way, has been on fire recently. Like this isn't he the has. Curtis Blade. This isn't the Curtis Blades of uh, a couple of years ago, who was like uh, one, you know, one amazing fight, one great fight. One he was very up and down, very unpredictable. Like Curtis Blades has been on a bit of a tear. Uh, he's really he improved his game. So for Derek Lewis to come in and you know he knocked him out clean. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, the second round. 
yeah, and, and when we spoke about the predictions, uh, I think you know you went with Blades, and I went with Derek Lewis. You know, partly I really like the guy, um, but I just know that he's he's always in there to knock you out. You know, he's yeah, he, yeah, and I and I just felt like we know what Blades is going to do. He's going to strike up a little bit. He's going to shoot in. He's going to try and get Derek down. You know, uh, but Derek's defense was so much better than it's been. Uh, yes. Really yes. has advanced that part of his game. Um, yeah, we didn't really see him get tested on the ground. He's only on the ground briefly, wasn't he? But um, but that was because of his defense, though, mate, I think. Yeah, because, yeah, exactly. Like, the Derek Lewis of a couple of years ago, he gets taken down by Curtis Blades in the form that he's in and, and the game, the, how the way Curtis Blades has improved. Like, Derek Lewis would have got taken down time and time again. Yeah. But he was just able yeah. to withstand it. And then I feel like Derek Lewis, if he can defend takedowns, he's always gonna. It's gonna come down to whether his gas tank stays in for him against whoever, yeah. because he can always knock someone out. It's just whether he can do it over a few rounds. If his defense is good from a takedown point of view, then yeah. he's got a chance chance against anybody. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Look, Derek Lewis kept threatening the uppercut and kept throwing the uppercut. And, yes. you know, the criticism of Blade was he he, he never Adjusted shot in without it. throwing the hands. Well, it, he just shot in. He didn't throw shots to occupy the arms so he did, the uppercut weren't coming. If you have a look at the replay or, or, or look back at the, the, the finish, it, he just shot in. It, there was no throwing of hands. There was no threatening of a kick to disguise the entry. He literally just dropped diagonally down. Uh and if you're going diagonally down, if you're going down in this direction, mm. diagonally, and the uppercut's di coming diagonally up, that's going to make for oh, yeah. uh, a, an epic collision. Fist yeah, to not, chin. Not, not something you want to do, is it? Meeting yeah. uh, Derek Lewis's uppercut yeah. with your, with mean, your own momentum. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. Look, Blades, he strikes really nice. He can shoot and wrestle you down. He, he's got so many ways to potentially beat Derek Lewis. But... I just think he hasn't evolved his entry for the takedown enough. And, um, yeah, he got set up. This was all about game plan. I really think Derek Lewis was improving his takedown defense and throwing the uppercut so that when Blades goes for the takedown, it's, he's going to have to fight through some flack. He's going to have to shoot with some anxiety there. Um, because in the first exchange for the takedown as well, Derek Lewis come off on top, didn't he? Do you remember the very first shot? Yes, shot? yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it was a little clumsy, and you know Derek Lewis's game plan. It was to sit away, not waste any energy with just attacking with the hands. He was purely counter-attacking the, the, the clinch game. He would even stay receiving shots on the outside. He was just conserving yeah. energy for the pocket. And he took Blaise a couple of leg kicks it. as well, didn't he? Just waiting. He did. To me, I think Blaze was looking great with his striking. I think he should have um, kept, kept it as a kick-in game. And I think he would have... Um, kicked the fight out of Lewis but he didn't he kept shooting in and he kept going through that danger zone of that uppercut and those those hook punches that Derek Lewis is really powerful and known for and yeah he landed right on that uppercut really Blades will look back at that and shake his head and be a little bit disappointed I think because he was beginning to just begin to, to edge the fight and um, take over well, from Lewis we talked we've talked about fight IQ made a lot on the different episodes and like Curtis Blades, he was doing everything right. He was keep like he was low kicks to just setting him up. But 
he was doing little feints with his right hand as well to to yeah. to, to feint coming in. But when he was coming in, that's where he was letting himself down, like you mentioned. Yeah. But everything else around that, he was doing well. He was setting it up with little feints and he was um, little low kicks and stuff like that. But it was just that movement when he was going in for that takedown or yeah, the clinch. Yeah, there, and he there just was no wasn't... blending. No. no there but was... then I think there was about 30 seconds of the first round to go and he does go in and he as he goes in, he hits a big right uppercut, uh, right hook on mm. Derek Lewis and it shook Derek, Derek Lewis a bit. And, you know, it didn't wobble him, just, you know, just got his attention. Stunned him, yeah. But Curtis Blades, I think that's the only time he did it in the fight when he's going in towards a clinch or a takedown. That's the only time he throws a punch, um, mm. which is strange for me because, like you say, he then, or like I was saying, like everything else around his game in terms of setup was there and was looking sharp. Um, yeah. But Derek Lewis, you know, he's just so dangerous, mate. Um, he is dangerous, you yeah. You just can't make him. This is top level, particularly in that heavyweight division. You cannot mm. make a mistake, even no, for a split yeah. second. Yeah, they don't even have to hit you clean to knock you out. They they can skim a shot, and it could be the shot that follow up thereafter. They're they're big, big guys. They're power, powerful guys. And you make one mistake, it's normally curtains, and we we saw that today. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, Derek Lewis, uh, they asked him about some of the shots after the bell after the referee had stepped in, um, mm. whether they were needed, and he said I had to make sure he wasn't going to do an Undertaker. Um, uh, where the un- the Undertaker sits up, doesn't he, after he's been beaten up right. or whatever? Which I thought was, yeah. you know, that's typical Derek Lewis and yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Derek Lewis has got to be up there for a title shot now. I think, really. Yeah, I mean, like, he's, he's he's doing good things. Uh, Blades is highly contested, and he just knocked him the hell out. Equally, I just think if he faced uh, Stipe, who's the current champ. I just see Stipe taking him apart methodically. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but if I s- yeah. give me Francis and Garner versus Derek Lewis all day, because that yeah, that'd be good to watch. So yeah, that'd be good to watch. <laughs> be amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, we got some big fights coming up, mate, over the next uh, next few day, uh, few weeks. Um, another top guest this evening, which is always good. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're away uh, at the end of end of March for a couple of weeks, which I've already uh, already made some moves to replace you. Okay. Um, yeah. Got one one in already. Gonna try and get some guests as well. Obviously, always looking for guests. Always looking for guests. But um, yeah, so we've got um, got a, a very good guest to start to start March March seventh for us. Uh, for the week week beginning March the March the eighth. Uh, we've got a, a very good guest, Cage Warriors, uh, fighting on the Cage Warriors trilogy card. Uh, one of the arguably one of the biggest names in British, or certainly in Cage Warriors. Um, there isn't many bigger names than him, mate. Uh, but we won't announce Science it. Just stuff. Yet. But uh, I'm sure people can work it out. I think I gave a hint last week anyway and said mm-hmm. uh, something which would have given it away. But um, we're always working on guests. If there is a certain fighter you'd like to see or coach then don't hesitate to let us know and we'll always do our best to try and contact them and get them in. Some of these fighters are very difficult to get hold of, but we try, we try, we yeah. try, we try. Uh, but Danny, as ever, I appreciate your time, mate. 
yeah, it's been another awesome weekend. Really enjoyed it. Spot on, mate. Uh, guys, subscribe youtube.com slash ace podcast nation. Click that bell for notifications. Spread the word. Tell your friends and uh, get involved. And of course, you can download the audio version at all the usual places. Check out awaydayapparel.co.uk. If you want 10% off all orders, use AA Podcast Nation, all lowercase, and you'll get 10% off their incredible gear. They've got a very good, uh, it's called Sound from the Streets collection. Some real nice uh, clothing at that moment. So I urge you to check them out. And of course, we'll be back next Wednesday for another episode of the Danny Batten Fight Show, where we'll be looking at uh, Rosenstruck main event next week, among other things. And uh, we should have another guest, hopefully, as well. But until then, we bid you adieu. Danny, I'll see you uh, See you on the next week, mate. I'll be there. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.